Hella Black episode 34. Oh, yeah, baby, this is a good one. This one is brought to you by all the organizers and activists that step into communities they're not from. Get a photo op of them getting arrested, spend 24 hours in jail. Next thing you know, they're securing book deals and going on tour. While we out here putting our bodies on the line and doing it all, they monetizing the movement. We see you, baby. These niggas for sure ain't from the communities they protesting in. But luckily, they got a hall pass sponsored by the FBI, which comes with the Rapper Rewards number by Capital One. That Rapper Rewards number gets you into the hood at any point, any time, and you there. Ready to rock, ready to commodify, and ready to secure that bag. Hella Black, episode 34. Ooh, you know what, uh, you know, if you listen to Hell Black, you know what I'm going to say now. Like us on SoundCloud. Like that shit. Repost that shit. Post it to Instagram. You feel me? Like us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Do all that. Follow all our socials right Check out our website. Now. We got oh, yeah. Website. What is it? Hellblackpod.com. Niggas got websites and shit, you know? We trying to... We make waves we trying to you get know? on our industrial activism <laughs> industrial complex honestly like i'm trying to yeah. get on my uh my uh what's, 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 another, to... what's another name for this nigga whatever all the niggas that's flourishing you know monetizing the movement we on our shit you know we're trying to level up like them niggas speaking of monetization tapping with our patreon.com slash hell of black pod you know what i'm saying so we can continue to have guests but continue supporting radical folks you feel me you know we all we playing in the beginning but tap it with us support us patreon.com slash help black pod you feel me that way we're able to pay our guests you know we be paying people you know what i'm saying so tap in with our patreon if you want more guests on hell of black fuck with us so we got a real dope episode in store today bro i'm juiced like i'm excited too especially because um this is someone that i know supports our podcast and is an active list is it avid avid is when you listen to all the time right an avid listener yeah like an avid listener. Something like that. That's what oh. happens when you don't use inclusive language. That's what I get. This person really supports our podcast, supports our work, so I'm happy to get them on the podcast and uplift their voice and center their work. Um, center people who are actually like in the field, in the communities, you feel me? Facts. People really rocking, people really tapped in in the communities, people doing the work that ain't cool. Like, people think activism is hella cool. I'm like, bro, if you've done some organizing work, like, this shit ain't as cool as, you know, people make people it look make cool. It look cool. I'm like, that shit, people make this shit into a photo op. I'm like, bro, first of all, do you have security culture? Like, why are you taking handle photos of shit? Like, what? But then also, I think <laughs> it's important that we acknowledge that organizing and activism doesn't always have to be, like, outside. Because there are right. f- some folks who literally physically can't be in those spaces. Exactly. Right? Like, so, so we talked about that on our last episode, yeah. too. Like, you know. Not everyone could be in the field, so we want to respect that for sure, you know. But I think what we're talking about is critiquing folks who do those photo ops. Who act like they in the field when right. they're really not. But, you know, Fuck when push comes to shove, they call on the FBI. Hey, can you protect me? But, hey, what do I know? I'm just a nigga trying to organize. But less about us. See? What? That's Clarissa for sure. Oh, yeah. You heard that? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> you drinking some water or something? Hell no, nigga, that was her phone. For real? Uh, Clarissa. That's all good. Clarissa, what's happening? Nothing. That was your phone? <laughs> no. With your lying ass. I thought you said you got the notes. <laughs> I did get the notes. Put your phone on silence or airplane <laughs> mode. I put that at the very top. What was that noise? The doorbell? No. Tell me right now that wasn't your phone. <laughs> why are y'all yelling at me? Tell me right now. Bro, why y'all yelling at me? Oh, my. I knew this was going to happen. Is I, this note is Hold for up. you and Blake. It wasn't for me. I don't Go. need that note. That note was literally for you and Blake. 
I knew this was gonna happen. Oh my god! But it's hey, all right though. Perfect way to introduce okay. yourself. So we got a real dope organizer, Carissa, with us. Writer, organizer, journalist, activist, a person of the people and by the people. So shout out Clarissa. What's happening? Hello. How y'all doing? No, we chilling on this beautiful Sunday. No, what day is it? <laughs> Saturday. It's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. We've been traveling and shit. <laughs> Niggas' minds is misdirected and shit. Like, what, what day is it? <laughs> Whatever day it is. It's nice. The sun's out. Like, bro, Any I haven't day. seen the sun for a minute. Yeah, we got to stop talking. What's going on, Clarissa? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, super happy to have you on the show. You want to go ahead and boost um your socials? Oh yeah, um, my Twitter is Clarissa M Brooks. Um, my Instagram is Chloe Sucks. But to be honest, so many niggas have followed me on Twitter. Y'all really don't got to. Um, <laughs> that's just so stressful. So you know, follow me on Twitter if you want to. Totally fine if you don't want to. I just be saying shit. That's it. Yeah, Twitter be wild after you get after you get like ten thousand followers. Twitter's never the same. Honestly. Yeah, it's also so I welcome mean, to, to the be club. Honest, like it's weird because now I gotta like navigate it differently. I can't just you know How say so? this. Is I mean, it's like I mean for security reasons, I have to navigate it differently because um, it's so many people. But also, it's like now people think I have this voice. I mean because of that because of those followers so it's it's just been weird to like think through um because of all this stuff definitely you definitely have to move a certain type of way just with so many people who always watch you it's kind of a weird feeling and then people in my experience expect you to be something i'm like you know like oh i can't tweet about just random shit like that's part of me too i don't always just talk about politics you know right still still do you but I know yeah. what you're talking about. That block button, ooh, that should be coming in Oh, clutch. it should about to be on 10. That mute button, ooh, even clutcher. Then yep. you can mute a whole discussion you're having, even better. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, like, the mute button is, like, honestly what's kept me from seeing a lot of stuff. So, like, I'm sure there are a lot of really gross conversations that are happening, but I can't see them because it's muted. So, it's really a blessing. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing that for yourself. Like, yeah. that's like self care right there, especially online. Yeah, and I, I, what what I've noticed too with like when you're following, you starts to grow, is that motherfuckers will start unintentionally demanding labor from you. Yeah, like, that's one of the weirdest things I've seen. Is like motherfuckers just unsolicited, to, like just coming into your your yeah. mentions. Like, what you think about this? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you read my paper? No, I'm a teacher. Like, I ain't gonna read your paper right now. What? Like. That's you paying me? What the fuck, nigga? I already have to grade fucking 50 papers. I ain't trying to grade no more papers that I ain't getting paid to grade. Nigga, what? Tripping. Anyways. <laughs> so, we know you. You're a journalist too, right? Yes. So, how'd you get into journalism? Uh, I got into journalism, um, specifically like music journalism and all that good stuff, just because um, I was that kid in high school that was really tired of listening to the same shitty music at parties. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to write about the music that I like and what I like listening to. Um, and that kind of just turned into writing about politics, um, and pop culture. So when you first got into writing, you're saying in high school, was that like for a publication or like a school paper? Or is this something you're just doing for your, for yourself? It was something I was just kind of doing. Cause I was like a part of that, um, 
I don't even that like post blog era where like everyone was like downloading hella mixtapes mm-hmm. um, and like just listening to a bunch of shit all the time. So I was writing for myself, and then um, I started writing for a website called Dead and Hip Hop, um, and I wrote my first review on No Name when her telephone album dropped, um, and just been writing from ever since. Damn. So I uh, I did a little music journalism when I first got out of college, but what is what is that? What has it been like uh, navigating that space as like a black queer woman? It's weird. I mean, it's weird because I'm also still a student, so I don't really have as much time to like go to events, especially being in Atlanta. Atlanta's like the place to be a music journalist. Um, but I'll say like it's hard to get people to like care about like artists that aren't Drake and Future and Migos. Like in you Atlanta? try to talk about Prince. You talk to talk about like Princess Nokia or No Name or like something. Like niggas just don't want to talk about anything else. In Atlanta? Uh, yeah. I feel like Atlanta has always been the place where like underground shit kind of takes off. No? It does, but you have to like be plugged into that. Like you gotta like know somebody that will bring you to those parties or know somebody that will let you into that space. Um, but because I'm a student, like I just don't have time to be super plugged in like that. Yeah. Um, so. I'd be hearing about it secondhand. But, I mean, I'm starting to get more involved. Um, my friend Yo uh, really kind of keeps me in the loop of what's going on. So, mm-hmm. um, And also just I think the thing about my music journalism is, like, I used to try to fight for that validation. But now I'm just in a space of, like, I just want to write about what I like um, and just do that. Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up about, like, the underground scene kind of being closed off. Because I think when I think about the A, I think about it being like a big space for music. Um, like, so I was kind of surprised about hearing that the underground space is like kind of closed. You got to know people to get into that space. Why do you think it's closed off like that or like harder to get into as a journalist? I mean, because it's all based on re- relationships um, and also being a woman, like you got to figure out if niggas want to invite you there because of your work or because they want to fuck you. Um, so it's weird to build relationships and hope that it's based on genuine respect um, and not some weird shady stuff. Yeah, that's something I've seen like over the last year and a half, I'd say like working in music, I've seen women trying to navigate that space. And just like any other patriarchal system in fucking the world is, is I've seen it be really hard for women to get respected for the work that they're doing. And then on top of that, right? Like as journalists, people just don't respect, People in music, from what I can say, don't respect journalists from the get-go. And then you throw in being black and a woman into it, and I could see how that just makes shit even harder. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's odd just in the sense of trying to get it figured out and also just trying to, I don't know, just be happy with what you do and be okay with it. Um, At this point, I just try to write about what I like, do what I can, um, and honestly, like not be self-deprecating about my writing and my work. Um, like I got invited to, um, this Migos party last year at a mansion. And when the person emailed me, I was like, is this a joke? Is this for real? Um, but she was like, no, I'm actually inviting you to this. So just trying to like appreciate the fact that I'm not, you know, just floating in the nebulous. Are you studying journalism right now? 
Uh, no, uh, my major at Spelman is women's studies and writing. Because uh, Spelman doesn't have like a journalism major per se, but I kind of like had to create one through my minor. That's dope. Yeah. So I think definitely one of the biggest stories right now in music is the Dreamville session. So what are your thoughts on that? Ooh, the Dreamville sessions. I honestly like, so Yo was able to go to the sessions um, and write about it. And I kind of got to like live through his experience of like going through that. Um, It was really dope to hear about and see. But I think probably for myself, I don't know. I had a bit of jealousy. Um, even though I really ain't nobody when it comes to music journalism, I still was like a little perturbed. I was like, damn, I wish I could go. Um, but then, you know, just the conversation about women being involved in those spaces. Um, I think J. Cole is somebody who's seen as like the good conscious rapper, um, but has had a really hard time being critical about the way that he talks about women um, and the way that his fan base talks about women. So I think that showed up a lot. Um, when EVA brought up that question of um, why weren't any women in media brought there? Um, you know, because of course all the niggas were like, you're a distraction. What would you do? You know? Like my uh, fucking so, job? <laughs> no, literally, right? Um, and the fact that like people couldn't connect to the fact that there are women in journalism who write about music. Um, so I think, it was, I think it was more or less just disappointing and disappointing that like nobody really cared. Like, it, it was a topic of conversation for, like, a day. Um, but then it kind of just faded away. And the other part is that, you know, at the end of the day, when this album does come out, women journalists are going to have to write about it. Right. And it was you know? also, so it's like, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's just, um, like, it would be easier to write about that if folks could be in the room to give, you know, that background and detail on it. Um, but the fact that they weren't is kind of corny the fact that like they had this whole session and nobody was like oh yeah we should invite eva or scotty or somebody like you know and it was also wild because i remember when that question was asked on twitter and motherfuckers were responding mostly men were responding um to the tweet with artists and it was like nigga right said women in media are y'all completely like that just like niggas hate for women is so strong that they read what they want to read and they hear what they want to hear when women are talking Mm -hmm. Or, like, because they genuinely don't know any women in media. Like they don't follow any. So they're like, oh, no, Dreezy's there. Okay, yes, we know that. We know Ari Lennox is there. Women in media. Like, there are a whole bunch of fucking uh, cameramen there, literally men with the cameras. Like, why weren't there any, like, female photographers there? Yeah. And it also is just, like, about diversity and, like, who gets to tell the story. Um, like when I was watching the live streams, it was all niggas, all niggas. Like, so y'all think that, I mean, of course the coverage is going to be great because yo is amazing. Um, but also like, I'm sure there is a missing viewpoint that, that, that somebody's going to, that's that a woman in media could bring to that conversation. Um, that won't be told because nobody thought to invite a woman there. And there's literally too many women, OGs, um, OG journalists, like, um, there's a woman named Christina Lee who literally has been writing about outcast and Atlanta hip hop for like the past 20 years. Like literally there's no excuse that no woman in media wasn't invited. Facts. And it's just like 
your article will be better with a different viewpoint too. You know what I mean? Like if it's just the same exact viewpoint constantly, the same exact story being told, like I mean, it's, it's repetitive. Of course, it's gonna yeah. be like the same type of. It was nothing but niggas in there, and I'm pretty sure like probably the same type of niggas. Right. So it's gonna be the same shit written about over and over and over again. Yep. The same story being told. Yeah. So what you think about like the golden ticket type shit that was going around on Twitter? Like the the concept of it? Yeah. I really like the concept. I think it kind of brought a sense of urgency and like selectiveness to it. Um which I think was really important just to kind of like curate really specific voices. Um and they picked artists that, you know, people have been talking about for a minute, um, but who weren't necessarily a part of the mainstream, which says a lot more about Dreamville and that they're looking at people who aren't, you know, just the top um, artists that are out there right now. So that's really dope. So, I mean, I am excited about the album. I think if anything, it's going to be interesting to see what makes it and what doesn't um, and see what it sounds like. I'm interested to see what that process is going to be like. Yeah. Especially cause Cole, he's known for not having features on his shit. You feel yeah, me? And this so. is, right. <laughs> So what do you think about that, you know, for him now letting people into his collaborative process? And what do you think it says about him also, like, bringing in people who might not be the, what, quote-unquote, A-list, you know, the future, the Migo, like, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, J. Cole's known for, I mean, for Cole's specific Just Him albums, he never really does features, um, which he's done really well with. I think with the Revenge of the Dreamers one, their past albums have been collaborations, but we've never really been able to see the process. So I think with this, people are going to feel more involved in it. Um, and it's going to do really well because of that. Like, you know, if you were able to be that person to see when Dreezy got her ticket or to see when Young Baby Tate got hers, um, I think that's going to be a really special moment, especially for their fans to see like these up and coming artists be on a song with J.I.D. or on a song with Boz. Um, I think I think it was definitely something special. Um, I'm interested to see how much J. Cole is going to be involved because on the past um, Dreamville albums, he hasn't been on all of the songs or he's been on like one or two. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and I'm hoping that the women that were invited are actually on the album and that they make some of the best songs on it. Um, also, I just stand Ari Lennox, so I'm always excited for anything she puts out. I've never seen this much hype around studio sessions. I've, I've never seen Literally. I've, I've the fact that niggas that. were like, I just need the address. Like, you usually talk about, like, folks usually say, like, if you're not in music, I always hear people complaining about how boring the studio is. So, like, to see oh, yeah, fans and folks on the outside being, like, super pumped up about it, I'm like, damn, they did they thing yeah. with this. They made it a moment. Like, this is a moment that folks will never forget. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the thing that Dreamville has been able to figure out. Like they've just been able to release their shit and just create like the do dollar in their dream tour. Like that was just very, I don't know what their marketing team is, but they, they really got it figured out. Yeah. Their marketing is raw. Yeah. Like, that took over it. the internet without doing some clown like shit. You feel me? Like I feel like most of the people who are taking over the internet these days, you know, are just doing some weird... Going viral through, like, these wild-ass antics. Yeah. So for them to yeah. just go viral with a piece of paper and make it the most talked-about thing in music for at least the last year, that was that was wild. 
yeah and i think it's also like their stuff is always accessible like um j cole came to morehouse my freshman year and he he spoke at um in a psychology class when i tell you my friends and i ran like we put on (laughs) our shoes and ran to morehouse because spellman's right next to morehouse um we ran over there when i tell you the street was blocked off they had to get the cops also that nigga is so tall like he is maybe like six two like so tall um but yeah that was a really big moment and then i remember that next week when we got out of school the dollar and a dream tour started and i was back home and it was like hey come to this movie theater like shit, shit like that where it's like it's accessible and kids can get to it and access it and be a part of it um Artists nowadays aren't doing that. Shit, what was that feeling like just running across, finding out J. Cole? Like, was on It was honestly, like, I mean, honestly, one of the best freshman experiences I can think of because everyone loved J. Cole. Like, it wasn't even a question. Everyone was there. Um, I also knew some of the kids that were in the classroom. Um, And if anything, that was more interesting to see the video of him talking um, and the kids in the class who were just like, because they didn't know. Um, so he just walked into class, and they're just like, what the fuck? J. Cole is in my classroom. That's hell um, wrong. He so, be, I, I mean, feel like he'd be like doing just regular shit like that. You know? Yeah, and that shit is really rare. And for them to be able to ask him, like, hey, what is celebrity like? How do you navigate it? Um, how do you get through this process? So I think, And I think that's also probably why a lot of folks don't feel don't feel any hesitation with saying, hey, why aren't there women in media in the room? Because J. Cole's been somebody who is open to critique and open to um, being questioned and pushed back on. Um, So I think, if anything, it was really less about J. Cole and more about the folks that created the Dreamville series and asking them questions of like, okay, I know y'all have this talented pool of folks, but also we can do better. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's why a lot of people have. I don't want to say. So like, there's always been this like this conflict with Cole, right? It's like people put him on this pedestal that, in a way, he didn't ask to be on. Mm-hmm. So it's like once you deem yourself as like this conscious rapper, and again you you pose yourself as someone who's willing to be critiqued and open to it, and then you do these things where it's like motherfuckers feel like you should know better. I yeah. feel like that's why people are so conflicted with him because you'll he'll do some shit like be the most accessible rapper in music, do this dollar in a dream tour, give himself, make himself a person of the people, opening up his house to folks to his childhood home and housing people. He does all these things, and then he'll do something like not invite a single woman immediately to this to the session. It's like damn, my nigga, like I thought you knew better. Yeah. But then that's also why I feel like on my end, I'm patient with the nigga because for one. Bro did not deem himself as the Messiah. That was something that we kind of placed on him through him yeah. being so accessible and the most probably least trash rapper yeah. out there. Like, you know, like, again, all niggas are dealing with their homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, right? But Brett has just made it a point through his actions to, like, kind of separate himself from the pack in terms of politics. So when he does things like he just did as far as, well, not just him, right? It was the whole, like, Dreamville team. But when something yeah. like that, that he's the the, the spearhead the of, up. yeah, when shit like that happens, it, niggas be hella conflicted with, bro. Yeah. And it's definitely tough. I mean, and also, I mean, it says a lot about celebrity culture and, like, who we idolize, who we don't. Um, like, the whole idea of celebrity is, like, rooted in capitalism and bullshit. So it's always, like, whenever I feel like, damn, I really want to, like, 
be mad at the celebrity. I also remember like this is a regular ass person. Can you expand um, on that? That was a really good point, but the the point of uh celebrity being like a root of capitalism. Can you expand on that thought? Yeah, so like celeb having a celebrity or having someone who is seen as this um upper echelon of people, like it's that whole thing when people are like, you know, um celebrities aren't regular people. But the reality is like they are regular people. Like J. Cole's a regular fucking dude. Um, at the end of the day, he is just well known and popular because of the music he creates. Um, but that music and that popularity is rooted in idolatry and who we deem as better than everyone else. Um, and then money also. Like if you're a celebrity, it has to be rooted in the fact that you have millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so it helps us think through it helps us think that somebody is better than us because they have more money. When in reality, we know that most celebrities are trash people. They yeah. just have money. That's all, um, yeah. and, and that's like they are, in fact, not any better or worse than us. Um, and that we are all trying to figure out how to exist through life. Um, but yeah, but it's hard to kind of get people to realize that. And I think that's probably why my own critiques of the Dreamville stuff have kind of faded away just because, um, you know, like my politics two years ago are not the politics I have today. Um, and it takes time and process to get there. Like my ideas on prison abolition have like kind of been something I go back and forth about, but it, it was through the people around me who gave me the space to ask questions and figure that out. So um, I just try to give folks grace um, and also just realize at the end of the day, like, I don't got Cole's phone number. I don't got the Dreamville phone number. So I'm hoping that somebody on the internet is having that conversation with him about that. But at the end of the day, that is not my work. And I think one thing me and the ones who was talking about recently is sometimes we forget about that process and what that process looks like. Like yeah. I think sometimes we expect people to jump from A to B right away and not talk about like the process sometimes, you know, like it could look ugly too, you know, like, learning politics getting better politics like there's a whole process that goes on there's a whole unlearning process and i think sometimes sometimes it's just like this woke culture this woke caricature i feel like it's like all right well i'm woke they're not woke but yeah. are we understanding this person as someone that is always changing you yeah. know and the idea of progress and change and development looking like linear you know what i'm saying as opposed to it being this thing where you where you do take like one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back, right? Like there's always yeah. that process of learning and unlearning. But for some reason, we all just like to seem like we got our shit together at all Absolutely. times. And that, oh, we were told that this was bad. And once we figured that out, we never were the same. It's like, nah, fam, that's not how it works. Right. And people, I think, will put yeah. that put that on us. Like as folks that are known for politics, it's like, nah, me and, me and Delancey are always learning and unlearning. Like, we had a whole conversation learning and unlearning just, you know, a few days ago, right? And I think those conversations are important to have, too. And you don't ever get to a point where you're just woke. Like, one thing I try to tell my students a lot is be woke enough to know that you'll never be woke enough. Yeah, right? Always like you're constantly learning. Yeah, and even me as a teacher, I'm like, I'm learning from my students, too. I tell my students that when we start class, like, I'm learning from you just like you're learning from me. Like, there is a good teacher is always a student, you know? But I feel like people talk about learning and unlearning all the time, but then don't create the conditions for that to happen. Is that something you've seen? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking, um, what is your name? Oh, so Ashley Henderson, um, she is the 
co-director of the Highlander Center. Um, I interviewed her for the team. Can you talk a little bit about the Highlander Center and what that is? Yeah. Uh, The Highlander Center is kind of like an organizing space. I'm not 1,000% sure on everything that they do. Um, But Ashley Henderson is maybe one of the greatest organizers I've met. Um, But basically, I spoke to her um, and kind of walking through this whole, the issues that people had with the fact that Centoya Brown was given commutation and not clemency. Um, And commutation being that, you know, she gets time served and then 10 years of parole, whereas clemency is like a completely wiped record and immediately released. Um, And so, you know, when I was talking to her, I was like, hey, like, you know, when I first got on this project, I really forgot the fact that we had to get somebody free. And she was like, and like, she was basically saying that we do a disservice to the folks that we work with to not talk about how we get through our unlearning and how we get through our learning process. So she was saying like, you know, when I said that on the phone call that we got to get ourselves free, I wasn't exactly 100% sure if that was going to happen. But I knew that I had to be strong in that sentiment in order for us to work towards it. And even when she did get commutation, um, she didn't know it was going to happen, you know, and like still fighting for those wins, even if we don't know if it's going to happen and kind of just having that not blind faith, but having faith in black folks and in, in community and knowing that we deserve the wins. Um, I think it's been really important just to hear those things of like, if, especially because I think, especially in organized spaces, when you meet younger folks who are just getting into it, they're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. And you're just like, okay, but hold up now. A year ago, I was not where I am now. Mm -hmm. Three months ago, I was not where I was. Um, So it's important to walk through that process with people and make sure they know that, you know, you didn't just get here magically. You didn't magically become the radical left organizer that you are without a lot of uncomfortable processes. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to create spaces where there's conditions for learning, because if you come into a organizer space an activist space, and oftentimes, you know, especially in my experience, like in student spaces, there's a lot of like big words, big, you feel me, big theories and people aren't necessarily explaining it. So that could be like intimidating to come into a room, right? And all these, you know, big words are being used, big theories are being used, but nobody's explaining what it actually means. And then you're someone in there who goes, goes into the space, genuinely interested in like, oh, I'm trying to do work. I'm trying to support people. I'm trying to help people. And then you end up being turned away because it's kind of a space that's actually very intimidating rather than being inclusive, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. And that's, that's the issue we've had um, with AC Shut It Down, which was the student organization I was a part of people would show up and be like, y'all niggas are doing a lot. Um, when And also it's like, we are an organizing family. So we all know each other really well. We're all really close, very cliquish. And so people were like, mm, nah, you know, I'm good off of it. So we really had to do that work of like stepping back, unlearning, making space for people um, and making space for people to grow because all of us had already kind of grew up in the same space where we kind of all knew each other's politics um but just giving people space to learn is something that I don't think a lot of organizers do and it's something that I'm always pushing myself to be better at you know what I'm thinking about is how a common theme in these kind of spaces right like this is a lifetime's work but the patience that we show with people doesn't support that claim like I feel I've been yeah. in a lot of like organizing activist spaces and they're not patient spaces for the folks that we're supposed to be working with. 
but we're yep. always repeating that theme of oh this is a lifetime's work we're gonna be doing this forever and forever but if you're gonna be saying that you gotta have patience you have the lifetimes <laughs> worth <laughs> like, of patience yeah. for sure <laughs> but yeah it's definitely also it's, it's nuanced too so it's like if somebody's coming in you know on some like real misogynist some niggas you know, are actually ops yeah like no, some absolutely. people are actually like the enemy Right, right. No, but literally. I'm saying like when that when you have folks who are actually trying to learn, yeah, and, you and don't, showing that they're doing better, yeah, like and it, but you want. It's, I think it's that drag culture too, that has been sure. created yeah. on social media and how it shows up in spaces, certain spaces. You know, I, I think yeah. about how many times I'm afraid to like say something because I know that it might not be the space for me to be, like I might not be given the opportunity to learn from it. Like, I always yeah. feel like we're one podcast away from somebody just canceling us. Literally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, so yeah. all the work that I did up until now is now, it it's it doesn't matter? Yeah. Right. Well, and I also, I feel like, if I'm being honest, I feel like folks that say, that talk about cancel culture or whatever, I feel like it's folks that aren't organizers and folks that don't understand the root of that and, like, how accountability um number one is a process that you can't force on people, but also like folks that came from a place of like, we need to be able to like have agency and what we interact with and who we interact with. And I feel like a lot of times people that talk about canceling people, like I'm not like, I'm not, I don't think I've ever said that I wanted to cancel somebody, but I do get to decide if I want to interact with them anymore. And like, if, you're out here spewing misogynistic transphobic bullshit, then like, yeah, I'm not going to interact with you anymore. I don't have to give you that labor because if I've tried and I've tried to explain it to you and go through the work with you and you're still deciding not to, like I get to make that decision. Um, But I think Twitter is this really weird space to where people think um, if we all collectively decide to cancel somebody, then it's over where it's like, that's not how that works actually. Like restorative justice is not this easy fixed process it is like painful and uncomfortable and people have to decide that they want to be a part of that but if you don't want to and like we just don't want to fuck with this person okay cool but like know that that is not you know i don't know it's always productive yeah i just think twitter is really weird people think they like know what's going on i'm just like if you if you were actually in an organizing space you would understand the purpose of this process of accountability but like y'all niggas just want to yell and <laughs> honestly the way people talk to people on twitter i'm like i hope you have the same energy in person i'm saying <laughs> like I some people come at me hell if i'm like energy. please please keep that energy if you see me in person because people yes. who actually experience violence don't talk about being violent on twitter i'm saying like i've experienced the, um, some very violent shit and it's very seldom i tell a nigga i'll beat your ass like for one, no, I for know real. that I can't beat everybody's ass, and I should never say that to someone that I've never seen fight. Like you should just be right. skeptical. Niggas just yeah. be on Twitter and enticing violence, saying never really experienced the shit. Yeah. And I also words like, have meanings. <laughs> literally, um, and also like I grew up in like poverty. Like that shit was enough to like make me. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm ready to fight everyone, but I had this one kid who basically tweeted me and was like you're a fake activist nobody cares about you um all this shit right and so i tweeted him back i was like okay word i'll see you on brown street i'll see you like and i i really meant it i was like dude school starts in a week i'll see you 
this Twitter shit is cute, but I will see you in person. <laughs> but I'll pull and up. And when I see you in person, you better like, be ready. Keep this energy. I mean, and of course, I've seen him on campus multiple times, and I've said, "Hey, how are you doing?" And he walks away. He was shook. <laughs> I've had it. And so had, it's yeah. very much like it's very much like don't get it twisted. Like if you think that I'm this organizer and that I just talk out the mouth. You right, but also you can catch these hands. Also, right? Why do niggas think organizers ain't about the shit though? Because they think that we just like to complain and yell out loud. And the thing is, like, I've had to be honest with myself about when I'm arguing with people out of a place of my own scarcity and check myself. Like, I've had to get through that and be like, "Am I just yelling because you know my day isn't going well, or because I'm mad at the world?" And I have to check myself. And like, I'm fine with doing that work for me. But if you're coming at me brazy and you think that I don't have the range and the wherewithal to meet you, then, like, you have severely chosen the wrong one. And I think that's the difference. I mean, and not every organizer is like that. Like, I come from, like, Greertown in Charlotte, so, like, I'm used to fighting. But, like, this internet shit. You got that one-two shit, combination, huh? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, this internet shit can very much, like, still get you hurt. And I think... um with the stuff that's been going on, a lot of people have been like, are you worried about your safety and all this other stuff? And it's like, you know, I've survived poverty and I've survived trauma and I've survived like getting detained by the Secret Service. So like, if it's my time, it's my time, but I'm not about to like change my livelihood over some internet shit. Yeah. Like I've experienced real danger. Yeah. Like <laughs> real danger. Like it is this not is... the first time someone has threatened me. Right. Right. Like, like, I've had tangible danger. threats where a nigga like is next to me and is like, nigga, I'll do this to you. And I know that he will. If I've made yeah. it through that, you know, I'll be all right. Yeah. When I first started, like when I first really got on Twitter and started like speaking and shit and I was getting DMs about like niggas saying what they would do to me, I was like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. you, you said shit to me. It was just like, like nigga, just what? Comedy, like. like nigga, I really been outside my entire life, bro. Like I'm yeah. not worried. And I think, I mean, people have kind of put that on me for the past few days of being like, you should be worried about your safety. And I mean, it is real. And like, I do have to think about my safety in a different way. But the other part is that like, if a nigga want to pull up on me, then like, that's really about them. It really has nothing to do with me. I mean, your safety like, been, if you really, been threatened, if you, honestly. Yeah, like if you really want to take out all that energy to come find me, then like, go ahead and make that move. But like, I have a community around me. So like, I'm not concerned. Um, and also like getting out of poverty is fucking a lot. And also like just existing as a queer black woman who says shit all the time is tough. So, yeah. I mean, so you, you talked, yeah, you talked about being detained by the secret service. Um, so you had another celebrity apparently on, on your campus. Was that on Spelman or Morris? Hello. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> not celebrity. Um, yeah. Know, so I'm, in I'm 20, in 2015, uh, Hillary Clinton came to Clark Atlanta. Ooh, um, that and so, who organized that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that, um, that sounds like some black shit. You know, that's oh yeah. my god. That's that. But when I tell you, literally <laughs> that's every that blue black check black shit. <laughs> no, but literally every black celebrity in Atlanta was there. Like oh Karen Civil. Um, I'm I sick. can't even remember. Like everybody under the sun was there. I need a um, and, Yeah, and so basically. Um, I had just joined AUC Shut It Down, which is the organization I was a part of. Um, and so basically, like, a week before, we were like, okay, well, we got to figure out what to do. And so niggas were like, we got to shut it down. 
Um, and so we did some planning, got things figured out. Um, but yeah, we interrupted Hillary Clinton in 2015. Um, I remember seeing that photo. Y'all were like, I could see in y'all faces that y'all was up to something. Was that like before y'all did it? I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, we, what we had been told was that we were going to be on stage. (laughs) So we thought we were going to be on stage. Um, they did not put us on stage. Thankfully, uh, they just kind of threw us in a corner and we're like, just stand over here. So we had to rework our plan. Um, but yeah, we interrupted her. Um, and as we're singing our little, how you talking about song, we got John Lewis, um, Andrew Young, the presidents of Spelman and Morehouse College kind of grabbing us and being like, this isn't the time. Don't do this. What you know, so like, time, literally. Um, Y'all are some so uppity Negroes to them, huh? Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, and I think that's the worst part about Atlanta is like it is run by these civil rights leaders um, who like deserve the respect that they have, but they also are holding on to that to keep them in power i guess or to keep that legacy so that quick, they decide what black people do is john lewis the nigga who was like something about if i got beat by the police yes i can still be friends with them so can you yes yeah mm-hmm. i remember that nigga that's yeah. a non-violent shit i can't <laughs> yeah it's super corny um but yeah but then um basically they told the two they told avery and Sharanti that they would be able to go up there and speak to hillary but in reality, they just took them outside. So it was just the the last seven of us just holding on. Um, and I was the closest to the door. And I just remember the Secret Service dude being like, if you don't let go of this guard, I'm going to body slam you. And I was just like, well, uh, I don't really think I want my mom to see me get body slammed on national TV. So let me let go. Um, but yeah, and then they they literally threw us out. Um, and then the band starts playing. Like this room of like 2,000 people all decide to like cheer that we're being kicked out. Um, and mm-hmm. we're taken out by Secret Service. And this uh, is at an HBCU, this is happening. At an HBCU, right? Um, and yeah, like, and when I tell you, it's like, like a movie I script. Was, exactly. I was so sure that I was going to die. Like, I was so sure of it because. Number one, we know the history of, like, Secret Service, um, the government, and, like, organizers. So, like, I was 1,000% sure that once we got kicked out, we were going to be shot in the back of the head. I was very sure of that. Um, Just because, you know, fucking with a former Secretary of State is not a small thing. Um, And we had prepared for that. Like, we had had those conversations of, like, what do we do if we die? Like, what is that conversation like? Um, So, but we didn't. Right. Um, but after that, like they just kind of took us back and we're like, you know, you can't come back in, all this other stuff. And of course, all of her black staff starts talking to us and being like, why did you do this? Right. Um, and crying and shit. But yeah, so this that 2015 thing was a much that was that was trauma. That was strife. I don't know, hearing you talking, especially that last part about, you know, the possibility of dying. I think that's something that's that many of us that are in this space understand, but it's not something that's talked about for some reason, especially when this shit is so glorified, bro. Right. Like, death is always right around the corner, bro. Yeah. And I think it's, people get surprised. I don't know, like, when I talk, like, I'll talk about it sometimes with people I'm close with. I'm like, yeah, I've ex- 
I've kind of accepted death and that it yeah. can happen at any moment and I don't necessarily fear it. It's yeah. like, all right, if I go, I'm gone, but shit. Yeah. Y'all better slide for me. <laughs> no, literally. Um, but I mean, and even I talked to um, my friend Courtney who went to UF kind of about, because um, they had a similar interaction with Nazis and stuff at their school. Um, but just with the idea of being so young and being ready for it or not being scared of death um, is not normal, right? It's not normal. And it's definitely not something that I am proud of, but it's something that you have to just be ready for if you want to be an organizer, especially when like we see news of organizers in Ferguson dying all the time or of organizers mm. committing suicide all the time. It's like, it just kind of is a part of it and you just kind of have to like prepare yourself for it um in that type of way but it definitely isn't something that i'm proud of but it's something that i've had to get comfortable with mm -hmm. yeah for me it's something i try not to think about i mean like i, I accept it yeah. from when i think about like when i've actually been at protests and shit and you feel me like proud boys and shit nazis is there the police is there like I, all the ops are there and we outnumbered we don't got as many guns as them niggas like the right. odds aren't in our favor but it's for me it's like I think I'm so focused on liberation that all that shit gets pushed to the back of my head. Like even yeah. when I think about the fact that, you feel me, it's folks out there that could be following me around, know what I look like, I don't know what they look like, can catch me at any given time because I'm outside. It's just something I've just accepted. And I really, yeah. I don't want to say I don't give a fuck, but yeah. it is what it yeah. is. I'm, I'm going to keep yeah. pushing this issue. And part of me, exactly. part of me not giving a fuck too, or like or accepting it is also... I feel like trying to get over that fear of it too, you know. Yeah. Just because it's such a it's a, such a reality if we study our history, you feel me, of people with black radical politics. You kind of know what's going to happen. In some yeah. Way. If you affect, yeah. Right. Like if we yeah. really want to do with the things that we claim we want to do, there's some shit that comes with it. It's either death or an incarceration. Yeah. You know. And and I think it's it's funny to like think about so like I think after the. 2015 stuff like there were times i'd be flying and stuff like and it's weird to like talk about the paranoia of being an organizer but it's something you have to get comfortable with um and even like i would fly and every time i would go through tsa i would always get checked Should and i, I would just always, got searched both times yeah, and, I would, and i would be like bro why is it like i'm literally not anybody's concern why do i get checked and then one of my friends was like nigga you what's your protested. first name yeah, like your first, like your whole name was involved in that. Like they, they know who you are. Like not saying you're a flight risk, but like the government works in very specific ways. Like it knows, you know, it, but I mean, just things like that to where you have to be a little paranoid and you have to kind of work from a space of you gotta be alert knowing sure. that. Yeah, you have you gotta to be, be alert. Um, and yeah, it's just something that you kind of have to get comfortable with and work through for yourself and decide how you're going to make it through the next day regardless yeah that's hella real uh for the sake of time we're going to transition to um another segment before we get to the exclusive yeah. shit so this is like this part we really want for folks that aren't inscribed that aren't subscribed to patreon to still be able to get this content so we'll do this piece and then we'll uh switch into the exclusive content right gotcha so yeah i know this part that we're talking about the next the next segment is something that like Blake and I were both skeptical when talking about it cuz you know we Blake reached out to you excuse me like this past was that like Friday you reached out to Clarissa I can't even remember the days 
with sometime. <laughs> so sometime this week with the shit that happened with you and bruh. And yeah. um so we like the goal is definitely to center you and uplift you. And then part of me was like, I don't want this to be on no opportunistic shit. Like that was something that popped in my head. Even if I know the intentions yeah. are real, like that's something that's the shit happens, right? Like people bring you on to talk about your trauma and don't do it in a way that centers you or helps you work through the shit and process the shit, you know? So I was like, yeah. as we was breaking this down, we were trying to figure out the exact way to do this segment. Um, so we just gonna talk about it at any given time if you feel, like keep that in mind, like this is supposed to center you and uplift you and work in a way that's beneficial for you. So that's just our goal. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about like, all right, yeah, what do you do as a music journalist? You know, like who, who are you? You feel me? It's like, it's not about to reduce Talcum you X. to that moment. You yeah, know? you are an organizer, a writer, an activist, a student activist. You know, before that, so you know what I'm saying yeah. we wanted to for sure center the work that you have been doing. You know, you know what I'm saying. It's not this yeah. overnight like <laughs> type shit. Like y'all, you've been doing the work. You feel me? So yes. So for those so. that don't know, recently this nigga Sean King, and this is wild because right. I do not know. Sean like, King, I don't know Sean shit King about this nigga or Sean Cream. They got they got a bunch of names for this nigga. Talcum X, Martin Luther Cream, Thurgood Partial. And the shit is hilarious, honestly. Sean White. They call yeah, Sean White. It was another one they called this nigga. I don't know. Anyway, White, White Mocha. Oh. I don't know this much about bro, but I just know like over the last couple of days I just saw that he was allegedly just about to start suing hella folks, right? For de- defamation of character. Is that, yeah. that what he was doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it was hella there is such a layered topic right because like how can you be a nigga that's for the liberation of black folks but you working with you suing the niggas that's you suing fellow organizers or activists so using the same justice system that you're against and you're weaponizing it against black people who are fighting against this system too what does that make you right yeah a full operative So so for the so for me on the outside looking in if you could i guess go into detail on like what exactly happened between y'all two that led to yeah. this shit yeah so basically um a little backstory so i was on the free my sis campaign uh kind of team i really just kind of just jumped on was like how can i help out um for Toy brown so i was working with Brittany pascal and blm nashville and folks there who were working to get Centoya clemency um so the day of her clemency, um, I saw that uh, old dude had tweeted out basically being like, hey, we're going to get Centoya free, donate here. And it was a link to her website. And mind you, I'm at work. This is like 9 a.m. Um, and we found out about her clemency at like 11 or 1030. Um, and so when I saw him tweet that, I was like, it's funny that he's donating or trying to get people to donate because he was not on the team. I know the folks on the team. And I know he's not a part of it. Um, so I tweeted out being like, how are we going to hold him accountable to that? Um, because of the questions people have asked in the past. Um, so, yeah. And then three days later, he basically tweeted out saying that, you know, hey, um, I'm going to start suing niggas. And I was like, oop, don't have time for that. Um, so I deleted my tweet. Um, I think I have one tweet still up, and that's just, you know, it's a good day to block Sean King because when is it not a good day to block him? Um, But, yeah, so basically that next week, that next Monday, he emailed me 
um, saying that he had been advised to take legal action. If I didn't delete it, apologize and retract the statement. Um, I sent him back a response. Um, that was basically the letter that I put out, um, basically saying, you know, like, hey, I have already deleted this. I'm not apologizing for it because I deleted this of my own volition. I have nothing to apologize for. Um, and yeah, have a good day. Um, Did you delete it before he emailed you? Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. yeah he, she 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 says she deleted it right after the nigga made that announcement that he'll be. Yeah, yeah because I mean, <laughs> it's not I, think that, 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 I think that's a real important thing to talk about too, because he's emailing you about something. His lawyers cc'd too. He's emailing you yeah. about something you already decided to delete. So yeah, you what what is going on besides intimidation? Right. Exactly. Um. And then, well, and there was also like a time limit on this too it was basically like you have 48 hours to delete retract and apologize like nigga and i don't always like, check my email every 48 hours exactly what the fuck? right and that's the, i mean that's the other part like you're putting a like i don't i'm 23 years old i am not your child i'm not your dog i do not move at the behest of this light-skinned man like that's not me um so when he emailed me i was basically like no nah, i'm not apologizing especially because I'm fully aware of what it would take to sue somebody for that. And that is such a long process. Like, and it's just not worth it. And he don't have to open up his bank account too. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I deleted it and I felt like I'm not apologizing for something that I'm fully aware. I can't back up. Like I'm just going to delete it myself. Right. So um, then he emailed me back again and was like, if you don't, he basically said in the email on Wednesday, if you don't apologize today, um, I've been advised to take legal action. And I basically emailed him back and said, do it. I'm not apologizing. And then 10 minutes later, I was on his Instagram and his Twitter. And How like, was that legal action, my nigga? That's, that's literally just like... Right. Cause in, and I think the frustrating part is that I had... Once I got the email on Monday... I was really stressed, but I like was going through the motions of like, okay, well, let me get a lawyer. Let me figure out what I need to do. Like I was ready to go to bat for this because I knew it wasn't going to be a fun process, but thankfully the folks around me were completely ready to like, you like, we got you. Um, so when he posted me on his social media, I was really confused because like, so this is not legal action. Like I thought we were actually going to go to court. Like this is corny. And, but the other frustrating part was like, there's this thing about surveillance and teaching you. I'm trying to basically like the fact that this man had access to my email, put my whole full name in the email, like shit like that was really more frustrating. And the fact that his goal was more or less to surveil me was more frustrating because then that is what happened. You know, like the day after I got the email, I was like nervous. I didn't want to tweet certain things. Like I met, like message Blake. I was like, "Yo, this shit's happening." Like, but I didn't feel comfortable talking about it because I didn't know what I could say or couldn't say. Yeah. But that's like that's how surveillance works. It, it teaches you to police yourself and to police other people. Um, and I was more frustrated that he had gotten to me in that type of way. So when he did post me on his Instagram, I was just pissed. Like I was just. And the other shitty part is that I was at work too. Like, so now I'm having whole panic attacks at work and I have to leave work early over this dumb shit, you know? So it was just more irritating that this shit got to me and that 
um, you know, that, that his goal wasn't even, it was never really about the tweets. The, it was really about embarrassing me. It was and never about justice, bro. If that's what, for what he was claiming to seek. And that's what had me so frustrated. I was like me and Blake were in New York when this shit was happening. I was pissed, bro. I was pissed at a nigga who could claim he's for this movement. He's for black people. And to just basically sick his his followers onto you. Like, that's what that yeah. nigga did. Over a million people. Yeah. Like, he waged an unfair war on my multiple nigga. platforms. Yeah. Like, and the, the playing field was never fair. Fair. Even, like, even if I did apologize, he was still going to post us. Because he still posted the other two people. So, like, what would really even be the point of apologizing if you're going to do this anyways? He was and trying he was to lying. yield his power, bro. He was lying, too. Like, he's literally kind of creating his own propaganda, too. In a way, because yeah. he was lying, like, oh, saying that you re- retracted your statement when you never did. And you deleted the tweet before he even emailed you. So that means yeah. he's been screenshot and been watching your shit, too. Right. Yeah. Or his team has been watching your shit. So it's like yeah. if you're a black activist, quote unquote, or a, a person who's a part of this movement and you're using your resources to watch other black activists and organizers, who the fuck are you? And that's why it's, so it's so important to judge niggas by their actions. Because this whole time, he's screaming, he wants justice, he wants to clear his name, but his actions were not rooted in the name of justice. His nope. actions were rooted in causing you and everyone else that he posted harm, whether that's emotional abuse or physical. Like, that's exactly yep. what he was trying to do. And he's also making people um, examples, I think, too, yep. right? And saying, I will, you speak on my name, I'm finna come for you. Like, you know, me and Delancey are having breakfast. I'm like, oh, yeah, this nigga Sean King probably going to try and sue me, too, because I've been talking about that nigga a lot, like, in his operative mm-hmm. shit. So it's, he's trying, that, that's what I saw it as. He's literally trying to make, you know, examples and put fear into other people about talking to him. And that's some of the yeah. most egotistical white shit that I've seen. Yeah. Well, and I think the other the other part is that the biggest reason why I didn't want to apologize or retract the statement was effective. I knew that if I did, he would use the three of us as an example to come for Blake or Clarkisha or other people who've made critiques of him. Um, so it was really less, it was really more like, number one, I don't have shit to apologize for. And two, um, you're not going to, you're not going to use me as an example to build your case for other people. Um, and then also lastly, like the truth is that he really sees me as this lowly person. Um, he doesn't see, he, he genuinely thought that because I didn't have the followers at the time or the voice that he could just get me to roll over and die. Right. He didn't realize um, I think which the amount of support you got too, you know? Right. Um, right. And the other really fucked up part is that I've met this man before. In real life, like when we did the Hillary stuff, um, the next week uh, he came to Crown Forum at Morehouse and we took a picture with him. So, like, I have a picture standing next to this man. So I'm number one irritated because, like, so you think so less of me that you think I'm just this random person in the universe that you can make do whatever you want, not remembering the fact that, like, my nigga, I've met you before. Like, and the other part is that I live in Atlanta. I'm like a part of this Atlanta organizing family body, whatever, like niggas know about Sean King. They know about the shit that he's done. So like, no, like if you really want to try this, if you really want to be like, you need to apologize to me. Okay. Well then I know this person, that person and that person who's had issues with you. And those are the people that you need to be apologizing to. Those are the folks that you've ruined their livelihoods 
and made promises to and never followed through with. And that's the reason why he doesn't live in Atlanta anymore. Niggas ran because him out he, of the, the A. Yeah, because he, he ruined his name here. And it's, I don't understand how he's able to get away with this shit, bro. It's like. I mean, who backs him? He has white, he has white supporters. He's backed by these, you know, like. He's like the, he's like the, the, the poster child of. The white liberal. Yeah. The white liberal has literally manufactured Sean King. Yeah. He's like what, well, what they also, want black I mean, activism to look like. Yeah. They want they want black activism to look very specific. Um, and also just thinking about the history of organizing, like we always uplift black cishead black men mm-hmm. um, as the leaders. And people genuinely see him as a leader, even though he does nothing. And the, and the shit that he nah he does shit that's detrimental to the movement. Literally. Like literally spreading trauma, black trauma, yeah. which research shows can cause PTSD like effects in black people. So yeah. literally, you are contributing, contributing, contributing. I don't know. Contributing. Who said it? To <laughs> the fucking um, demise of our mental health. Yeah. Well, and also I think the other part is that Sean like. He knows that he doesn't have community. That's all I was like, asking Blake. I'm like, what organization does he belong to? I mean, it's all organizations that, that he's made. But he doesn't have community. He can't come to Atlanta and be like, hey, I'm trying to build. He can't go to Oakland. He can't really go anywhere and build community because folks already know what he's about. The community uh, and don't I think fuck he with him out here. That. Exactly. So I think he knows that and he needs to build his name back up online. Hence the reason why he used myself he got a community it's the online community where white folks that don't stay in the hood can speak up for him yep because white folks think that he's you know he they think that he is MLK. okay i can't stand that nigga for real bro and like i said i heard his name is jeffrey too his really yeah his first shot. name is jeffrey <laughs> oh my god bro. yeah i do not yeah. like him i know some black jeffreys uh, Thomas Young Jefferson. Young Thug's name is Jeffrey. Huh? Not Thomas Jefferson. Young Thug's name is Jeffrey. Yeah, Thomas, I just, I'm calling. I'm sorry, calling Thomas I, Jefferson. I despise him. Oh bro. my god, I despise him a lot because I've only seen. And then you're telling me, um, the shit that he did with is Centoya, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you think about the fact that this nigga just went over the work that y'all were doing to raise money for her like how about tapping in with the niggas that's already doing this shit yeah. and uplifting their prof their plat uplifting yeah. them using your platform to uplift their work no you just yeah. finna take credit for all this shit of yeah. decades well, of work funny, that motherfucker's been doing the funny part is that so basically he put out that tweet um a few hours before her, her commentation came out um and then when he emailed me um on monday he had deleted all of his tweets about centoya He's so, a bitch ass nigga, bro. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I can't even go up against him in that way and be like, I mean, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't tweet about him in that case if I didn't see him say something. Because right. I also have him blocked. So, like, if you're not on my timeline, I'm not about to be tweeting about you just because. Um, so, I tweeted him for a very specific reason because I saw that tweet. But of course, I don't have the space or the screenshots to back it up because he deleted it. Um, so then, in the things that he's been saying recently, he's been saying that my tweet about Centoya has been making people question the money that he raised for Jasmine Barnes, which is not true because people have been asking about that money since way before Centoya's commutation. Back um, in 2015, Goldie Taylor wrote that article, exactly, I believe. Exactly, right? Like, this is not new. People have been questioning Sean King for quite some time. Um, 
I mean, he was a mega church pastor Peter. too, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, so it's just interesting how he's kind of spun this into, into basically blaming me for the fact that people are asking him questions. Um, but they're also questions that like he should answer. Just answer them, my nigga. Like, all you got to do is show the like, receipts. Really not, how hard is that? It's really not that complicated. I mean, and and also the fact of, like, he kind of pushed this idea that I caused him this great harm. That's um, what's so frustrating with, so for me. so gaslighting. That is the and most exactly, manipulative shit. It's like, shit. like I, at the time when I tweeted that, I had maybe 5,500 followers. Um, it got retweeted a couple hundred times, but that shit is minuscule in comparison to Twitter. Um and also, like this shit did not take money out of your pocket. It's it's so wild to me that he can f- like how he can sway back and forth between victim and predator, like without any repercussions or no one calling yeah. him out on it. Like it's yeah. all he talked about was y'all y'all. Uh, I'm so tarnishing hurt. my name, yeah. throwing dirt on my name, and then ha! Look at this. Got him to apologize. But you didn't yeah. get him. You forced. And you extorted them into apologizing. Like with legal action. It's like, into- this is a whole grown ass, I'm not even going to call him grown, but an older a older person. You feel me? Like, yeah. he's probably what, in his 40s or some shit? Yeah. And here he is trying to intimidate a young black queer woman who is in college. Yeah. Like, I mean, if anything, it's like, it's just really corny in the sense of like you know he i think he really genuinely thought that i was going to roll over and die and i think he's been more the the support that i've gotten from folks has been something he did not expect he did not expect for people right. to Especially he really thought you had I was a smaller gonna, following at that at that time too right so he's probably yeah, like he really oh thought that, this is really nothing to my million was, followers yeah um, and I mean, I'm not going to say that, like, I haven't been frustrated or irritated by the concern. Like, I really haven't been able to really, like, even get on my Instagram because shit is just, like, too much. Um, but Twitter has been kind of a better space because I'm able to mute certain stuff. But, I mean, he really just tried the wrong one. Um, and, yeah. yeah. You a real ass nigga. Like, Yeah. So shout out to you for like the courage you had to stand up to this nigga. You feel me? Because I could only imagine how that was feeling. But to really have a principled stance and be like, nah, I ain't finna let this happen. Like, I got a lot of respect. I already respected you before this. You feel me? So like, yeah, I got a lot of respect. Yeah, so. I'm thinking if the nigga would have came for me, like, I would have been lawyering up, calling motherfuckers, trying to figure out what I can do, and then also figuring out like how many retweets is this getting? How many people can now recognize me and actually? That I will never, that I'll never see coming, type shit. Yeah. Cause this nigga yeah. obviously has like a cult like following, got fanatics. And I seen motherfuckers like making threats and shit on his, on it was ridiculous, bro. Yeah. And I mean, thankfully, I haven't been able to see that. I mean, I did see the um, Tyreek Nasheed thing. Um, oh, that shit had me her- highly upset. Yeah. Highly and upset. And I mean, that was more, it was frustrating um, because. I then have to, you know, call my friends from middle school and be like, hey, y'all, this weirdo took pictures from my Facebook page and posted us. Um, So that's just more weird and embarrassing to have to explain to people like that I haven't talked to in a really long time to explain this um, has been more frustrating because those folks didn't ask for this. Um, Also, Tariq Nasheed just has too much fucking time on his hands. Um, But yeah, but I mean, 
thankfully I've only seen the good stuff. Um, I've seen a little bit of the bad stuff, but I haven't seen a lot of it. So, um, and I wasn't on my Twitter for a few days. So, um, I really have, I really have like really dope community around me to really kind of, um, support you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm really glad it sounds like you're taking care of yourself. So I'm really, I'm really happy you're doing that for you. Yeah. Well, and plus like, you know, I got bigger shit to do in my life. Um, you know, there've been plenty of men in my life who've tried to make me apologize or stroke their ego. And this really ain't even new. It's just in a different platform. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about that situation or? Um, I mean, honestly, not really. I definitely told myself like after today, I was kind of done talking about it just because like, you know, I got school, um, I got writing shit to do. So, I mean, honestly, I just don't want to give him any more of my time and energy, um, because he doesn't deserve it. So facts. Fuck that nigga. Period. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So for our folks who are listening, this is like a question that we want to start exploring is like, what is a black radical? Right. Cause it's very clear mm-hmm. that this nigga is not right. So that's one thing we're going to start exploring, like come black history month. We're going to talk really want to talk about like, who is a black radical? What is the black radical tradition? Right. Who could speak for us? <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially how these movements are, you know, kind of being, are being co-opted by these industry activist plants in a lot of ways. So make sure y'all tap in to the next episodes that are going to be coming out on Hebel Black, especially during black history month. So we're going to start exploring that question. But I think to end the episode, I think we haven't even talked about black joy. Damn, mm-hmm. we talked about all this black ass trauma. All this trauma. But I think we gonna we gonna end this episode right before we get into the Patreon, um, the Patreon exclusive. We're talking about some black joy. So do you want to start us off, Clarissa, or do you want us to? Yeah. Do you want me to just talk about what's brought me joy this yeah. week? Yeah. Um, what has brought me joy? Oh, actually, the funny thing is, so the day that all of this happened, I was supposed to go to a no name show. Um, so everything's popping off. I'm super stressed, losing it. Um, and then my partner's like, you still have to go to this concert. Like you pay too much money for these tickets. Um, and I also love no name. So, um, that's what brought me joy this week was going to the no name show. Um, and I'm going to write about it for a website. So that is what made me smile. That's what's up. I love no name. Be sure to send us that article too. When that comes out. Absolutely. Yes, Lord. What about you, D? I don't know. I'm trying to think. We went to New York this past week. That was lit. Yeah. That's our first time flying out the state together and kicking it and shit. It was fucking freezing out there. Yeah, it's cold. It was. I cold. don't understand how. Like, why do people live, people live there by choice? Yeah, Bruh, It was by hella choice. brick out there. Like, yep. It shit was so cold. It was racist. Like, that's how cold that shit was. I don't know. Did y'all have coats for that? Literally, when I saw the videos of y'all out there, I was like, I don't even think they have the right attire. I had to go buy. I had to go buy clothes. Like I, yeah. I, I packed drunk first of all. Like I went to the bar and watched the Rams game before we flew out. We called a red eye, and I went home after the game. And I'm like, off twelve shots of Hennessy. I'm just throwing shit. Like I'm just trying to look fly, but like L.A. fly, Bay Area fly. Forgot I was going to New York. Within getting off the plane, within walking outside in the first two minutes, I'm like, I definitely did not pack the right amount of shit. No. And I had to go shopping. It was fucking freezing. Yeah. The thing is, I was cold in Oakland when we left. And then I got there. I was like, bro, I can't even call Oakland cold no more. That shit was freezing. Nah. 
But yeah, yeah, I it's... think my go ahead. No, I was I've been to New York maybe one time before, and like I went in January, and I was like, oh, this is cute, but it's something about the buildings and stuff. Like the wind just hits harder. The wind just it's hits like, your face. It just attacks you. I was getting slapped. <laughs> that is <laughs> exactly slap, what it feels like. But yeah, I think Black Joy Moment was definitely being in New York. And uh, I tried my first chopped cheese. But okay. it wasn't a real... T- you've been in New York You've been in New York before, right? Yeah. And like, have you like spent time out there and not just in like the tourist shit? No, I was only there for like a few days. So I didn't even get to do tourist shit. It's so like chopped cheese, like a New York delicacy. Like it's, yeah. But it's like only in like... Yo, like the hood type shit. We stayed in yeah. Greenwich, which isn't the hood. And when I'm in New York, I never know where the fuck I am. I don't know if Manhattan is Brooklyn, Brooklyn is in Manhattan. I don't know where the fuck I am. East Side, Lower East Side, so right. none of that shit. But the time before I was there, I like got hella good chopped cheese. And I was trying to take Blake around to get one. We could not find him anywhere. We found him at one spot and it was it was fairly decent. But it wasn't like the hood shit. Definitely not. Yeah. You gotta get like someone from the community. To be like, yeah, tell me what good chopped cheese is. Yeah. So shout out to New York. You feel me? We were thorough on every borough. Thorough on oh, every borough, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, watching the videos of y'all be out there was hilarious. I was like, these niggas are going to lose it. <laughs> I was really like, yeah, I was not. I was sleeping. I was like sleeping with my North Face jacket on and shit, like because oh, it was no. just so cold. And then I wake up sweating, like fuck. You know, I don't know, cause you be hella cold. Then you go inside of a building, you feel me, and then it's warm in there. So then you just start sweating, and then you go outside. Yep. Then you hella cold. Like, bro, this shit is not cool, fam. Yeah. It's not cool yeah. at all. I'm staying that's my like, ass in the bay. That's how you get sick. It's yeah. asking you to catch a cold. Yeah, I'm hella congested and shit too right now too. Like, mm-hmm. mm, I ain't fucking with it. You know, the more I leave the Bay Area, the more I realize how lucky I am to live out here. Like, mm-hmm. this weather is perfect. Yeah, that's how I feel about the South. Like, every time I leave the South, I'm always like, nah, I'm going to go back. I mean, we got racism and stuff, but also we got Bojangles. So, and JR Crickets. Mm. Yeah, it's like, mm, the food is so good. I may just push through. For sure, for sure. Well, now we're going to get into our Patreon exclusive, so be sure to follow. I don't know. Actually, you say you don't want no more followers. <laughs> I mean, y'all can follow me, but just know it's gonna cause me. Do you shit. have a Patreon or Cash App or something? Boost that shit. Oh yeah, I do. Um, my Cash App is just the cute little dollar sign, and then Clarissa Brooks. That's it. Pay up, nigga. Clarissa does great work. Yes, Lord. So like it on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five star review. And if you're trying to listen to the next part, you finna have to pay up. And you get extended content on patreon.com slash hellblackpod. Extended content that ain't heard nowhere else. You feel me? So support black folks making radical content. You feel me? Tapping with us. You feel me? A dollar, two dollars, five dollars to hear this next part. But you're going to be getting extended episodes every week. So you really is getting some good fire content. And it helps us pay our guests, too. So tap in with our Patreon.com slash HellBlackPod. Check out our website, HellBlackPod.com. Tap in if you want us to do a live show. We got a few live shows coming up. Our live shows be hella lit, so fuck with us.